0: with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects.
1: Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a young lady, from orlando florida the united states of america a young lady by the name of may lafferty may very warm welcome to you
2: hi thank you i'm really happy to be here
1: and one of the things that uh, one of many things may, that i'm sure we'll end up speaking about but primarily was you, if i ruled the world a young person's perspective because isn't it fair to say that's a massive generalization there's probably a big disjoint in terms Uh, and I use these labels very, very loosely, how younger people and older people see the world.
2: Oh, there definitely is. Um, I think that a big part of that is technology nowadays because I grew up kind of along with technology. So I remember VCR tapes, I remember CDs, and then I also remember those big clunky computers where you could press the power button walk away for 15 minutes and come back and it would still be powering up to what we have today which is just it's exploded within just a 10-15 year period and I think that is a big part of how I view the world how I interact with the world but I think older generations it's come in at a point of their life where they already have formed their view of the world and they have already established kind of how they interact and so I think that's a big part of the discrepancy or the differences between our generations.
1: I might have to change my laptop maybe because when I press the button I'm still waiting for it to fire up 15 minutes later so maybe uh, time stood still with me and my technology just to stand the <laughs> joke that uh, listeners will be used to by now. I do like to play the old technophobe on this, I really do. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't but anyway that's <laughs> well, There so, are
2: definitely ups and downs.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting, May, that uh, when guests, you know, when guests come on, and recently had a, you know, a couple of young people that have spoke, that have been drawn, you would say quite naturally, I suppose, towards technology and that massive, massive influence it has on, on modern day life. You know, for some of the reasons you've mentioned, and how almost stereotypically, and we know we shouldn't use stereotypes, but. You know, the older generation, yet again, a massive, massive generalization, are not quite in touch with the way, certainly the rapid way that technology is moving on. Because it is moving on at an alarming rate, isn't it?
2: It really is. I mean, I can't even fathom the fact that the first iPhone came out, what, about 10 years ago, I think. And I mean, I remember seeing when my friends had them and I was like, what is that? That's so cool. But they couldn't have done, I think, half the things that our phones can do now.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's uh, as you say, you know, there's pros and cons, isn't there? Uh, you know, we're agreed on that. So from your perspective then, mate, this if I ruled the world, a young person's perspective, I mean, blimey, where do we even start with this? Well, you're the guest. You told me where we start. I mean, if you ruled the world, mate. Where would you start? I mean, you know, where are we? What's the big question we ask? What are we going to change? Would you change anything? Oh, I I would change
2: quite a few things. But the number one thing that I would be interested in seeing serious change just for the entire world would be how we interact and view our environment and the other inhabitants on this earth. Um, because the way I see it, we are one species and while we do have elevated senses of you know self-being and awareness, I think that a lot of people view our intelligence and our um, ability to establish communities and uh, infrastructure as kind of a pass to allow us to control the world and use it to our advantage and Um, that it's kind of here for us to conquer. But I see it more as that gives us the responsibility to take care of it. We have, yes, the power to burn it all down, but we also have the power to make it better for all of the animals and all of the beings that live and inhabit this earth. And so I just think that we should take a step back and realize that we are just a small part of this environment but we play a big role in its future and so you know I want my grandkids and really my kids and myself to be able to see polar bears see you know those nature videos of real animals and not just these animals in captivity because that's all that has survived.
1: Mm. Would it be fair to say May that you know as a As a population over the over the years over the decades over the centuries we have been very very arrogant in terms of how we assume we've got the right to treat mother earth the way we've treated her would that would that be uh, you know would that be too strong a word to say arrogant
2: i think it's accurate but i also think it's accusatory and i'm not trying to accuse you know mankind (laughs) for this I just think that we've really gotten out of touch and our biggest focus nowadays really does seem to be streamlining things, it seems to be efficiency and um, kind of just how can we get things the fastest that we can and with the most ease without consideration of the long-term effects. So like the best example I have of that is plastic, like single-use plastics and just single-use items in general um and so i think it's it's not necessarily about arrogance it's just we don't even think about it it's not even a consideration for a lot of people i mean i know people and i've seen so many people there'll be a trash can and a recycling can right next to each other and they'll throw away a plastic bottle that is clearly recyclable says you know please recycle on the bottle and i don't think that's arrogance i just think that's nonchalance about what happens to that bottle and the impact that it'll have a hundred years from now
1: mm. okay I want to challenge you there May. I'm going to challenge you okay. because um, I understand what you're saying you know there is that certain you know none of us know everything so to speak um, that, that, you know that's, that's totally I totally buy that you know you, your example there of the plastic bottle is a great one uh, it's, it's great However, the reason I'm going to challenge you is, you know, maybe this is the epitome of the, you know, the difference in generations where the older people, such as myself, um, have come into and understand, and I hope this doesn't come across as patronising, but I also know to be true, and that's why I stand by the, you know, the arrogance of profit before people. Now, that's a very 70s slogan type a political statement where money comes first and okay look it doesn't really matter you know what we're doing to the planet doesn't really matter let's just keep looking at the shareholders' you know, returns the stakeholders returns what's in it for us and if you know what if we kill a few fish in the local river it doesn't really matter who's really going to care and that's why i deliberately strongly in fact i was actually simmering that down there quite a bit to say, humankind, and I do concede it has been a massive generalization, maybe it's not been a generalization, and maybe the reality is, for us, mate, that Mother Earth is begging on her knees for mercy at the 11th hour. This planet is in crisis, is in absolute crisis, and that, for me, my humble opinion, and I'll have any guest on this podcast to challenge me on it with whatever you know angle they want to come from that it's that arrogance, that ignorance. Yes, these are strong, judgmental, accusatory words. I stand, <laughs> I stand by them, mate, because my, my personal stance in this, my personal stance is to watch this beautiful planet being decimated the way it is. It's long, 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 long overdue. The time for us now to redress the balance and have nice talks is long since over. But I invite you back in May to say, Paul, I need to shoot you down in flames with those very strong views.
2: (laughs) Well, they are strong views. And I'm not here to challenge your your take on the fact that Mother Earth is, you know, at its 11th hour. And because I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that we really, I mean, I think we've kind of passed that natural turning point where we could easily... Um, kind of, I guess, revamp or um, help get back a lot of the things that we've lost. But I think that there's still possibility to make changes for the better and salvage what is left. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about what you've said is that though you're talking about corporations, and I think that there definitely is corporate greed. And I know that there are people behind those decisions, but I think just speaking about America um, alone, you know, I don't think they make up the large part of society. I think that most people, if educated properly and you know if they're open to believing the fact that climate change is real i think most people would be humbled enough to make small changes in their life maybe not go vegan and only eat locally you know not huge changes but i think it's just not a focus to educate those people i don't i don't see a lot of really big influential powers getting involved in this and I mean there are some but I personally kind of separate the corporate greed from the humanistic aspect Um, and I don't know if that's right I mean because obviously people are behind corporations but it helps me to be a little less cynical (laughs) about humanity I guess.
1: And that's why, May, I believe this is such an important and it's a beautiful conversation because we've got the we've got the polarity here, haven't we? We've got the polarity in gender, we've got the polarity in culture, we've got the polarity in age. And one would like to think that at least theoretically, um, and I know it's more than theory, we're, we're concerned because I've had obviously the pleasure and the benefit of speaking to you, off here as well, you know, to to kind of, a lot, you know, to understand some of your values and, and vice versa. So I know that there is a strong alignment there. But I think the beauty of a conversation like this is it allows that diversity, difference of opinions, you know, and that whole kind of eclectic mix. And that's not saying that one's right over the other or one's, you know, not so right or whatever. It's to say that collectively, you know, you're, your younger voice and my older voice and our differing views together to create that integration will contribute towards a better world. That's my humble belief. Any thoughts on that, mate?
2: I really, really strongly agree with that. Um, especially living in America right now. Um, Cause anyone who doesn't live on a rock probably knows what's, what our political climate is or a general idea of what our political climate is. And it's divisive and it is, it's is—it's very polarized. Um, and I think that it's kind of fed into itself because now we've got one side yelling at another side and really, shouldn't we all be on the same side at risk of sounding like a total hippie from the seventies? <laughs> Shouldn't we all be on the same side? Because I think if we were able to talk across the aisle and say, look, okay, I have these beliefs that I know are different from your beliefs, but here's the basis that has helped me form these beliefs. Here are my moral standings and, you know, what I, my goal in these political beliefs that I have, this is what I want to have as the outcome. I want, you know, a harmonious community. I want um, one nation united. And, you know, I want us to really just all be citizens of the same country, aiming for the same goals. We may not have the same plan or strategy or ideas to get to these goals, but, but we all have the same goal of bettering Um, our lives together and as a community. Um, But I think because the climate, the political climate is so heated and charged that not many people are willing to have those conversations and we're kind of villainizing the other side. And so I definitely think it is so important to speak to people, not even just who oppose your viewpoints, but have different viewpoints? Because, isn't that how we grow as people, and then, in totality, as humanity, by opening ourselves up to new information and new experiences
1: and new people? Absolutely, absolutely. That is the epitome of unity, one hundred percent. You know, I've said before, May, and I know we've had, we've shared this this terminology in a private conversation around, you know, whether you're young, old, gay, straight, black, white, rich, poor, whatever the labels are, the labels go on and on and on and the stereotypes. And that's why I play a little bit of a devil's advocate always and throw a stereotype in. And all the things that actually presenters shouldn't do. Because the reality listeners, isn't it, around this world, this beautiful, beautiful planet that is still a beautiful planet, despite its challenges, you know, there are all these things that are going off. You know the of challenges and it's it's up to us as, as may says to to unify and it doesn't matter about the labels that people give us but i think there's a big there's a big thing at, at play here may isn't there i mean you know i've took the ownership of words like arrogance and ignorance but i'm going to throw in one now that's less contentious the dreaded four letter f word fear isn't it true that in our modern day society fear rules okay any thoughts around that mate
2: um that's interesting i i think to a degree yes i think fear of the unknown fear of change and just fear of general everyday things i think has an influence but i know a lot of people including myself who try actively to suppress that or i guess overcome it and i think fear is a healthy emotion to have to an extent because i mean personally i fear what is going to happen to our planet if we as as a species don't change. Our behavior on a global scale. Um, And so I think that that fear helps me to go that extra step to, you know, if my roommate throws something away that I see isn't, or is recyclable, (laughs) I'll reach in the trash like a crazy person and (laughs) recycle it. I hope that he never sees me. Um, But, you know, and I think, and it, that fear is kind of what keeps the environment for me at the forefront of my everyday thought. And um, so I guess I, to a n- degree, I would agree, but I think that also one of the driving forces for us is that, that desire to overcome that fear or do something about what we're fearful of
1: okay so let me contextualize it brilliantly put May. thank you brilliantly put you used a term there earlier in one of your sentences about semi-apologizing for maybe being perceived as a some 60s type hippie maybe there's a fear that we're frightened to be seen that way when actually what mother earth is saying okay if you want to wear that kind of label world wear that kind of label but please do something because I actually personally think, and yet again it's my personal views, I stress that word, that to go back to that far more liberal way of being is actually in this present climate we find ourselves in, may it's not a bad thing. And if that wears the label of oh, peace, man, I'm a sixties hippie, and, you know, <laughs> or, or what a terrible impression, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I, I laughed.
1: <laughs> um you know maybe just maybe there is a call for us you know to quote john major and listeners you know i I do this regularly to coin this phrase from the uh, the british prime minister from the late 80s that followed margaret Thatcher, and he coined that phrase time to get back to basics maybe that's you know that time has come mate any thoughts around that one
2: yeah i would definitely say there is a fierce, I think it's probably stronger in my generation of being labeled like a tree hugger or a hippie. Um, I'm not sure where that comes from, except for it's, it's not the norm. And I think as humans, we always have a little bit of a resistance that we have to fight about, you know, breaking the norm or being, different in a way that could be negatively received the same thing goes for like feminism or um i think even talking across the aisle i mean i have liberal and conservative friends that i've tried to say things like let's let's stop name calling let's focus more on what we have in common than what we don't and i know some people are just not open to that and it's not well it can be poorly received um so i think there's always that fear of not necessarily retaliation but resistance to these progressive viewpoints and that fear i definitely think is something that i should fight because ultimately i am a tree hugger and that is definitely something i should be proud of
1: I love the ownership. Love the ownership. I mean, those labels, you know, tree hugger, snowflakes. Do you have that terminology (laughs) in the in the States, mate? Snowflakes, millennials. Oh, where did these crass terms come from? Where did these (laughs) crass terms come from? I mean, to say they're patronizing, it doesn't even begin to touch the surface. You know, and I'm I'm from a generation that, you know, I'm told, I'm told, and I use this word should, the dreaded should word, Paul, you should be embracing those views why should I well they're not from our generation all right okay does that mean they haven't got a voice does that mean because they're different and they, do you know have you ever thought for one moment and I'm speaking to my fellow older generation here now listeners actually these young people that we write off as with all these horrible labels these discriminatory labels do you know if we just stopped and listened? just maybe they might have a perspective that we're too old to, we've forgot about because we think we know best because we've stood the test of time. You know, and that's where for me, May, some of the arrogance comes in of, yeah, but listen, May, I'm old enough to be your grandfather. You listen to me because I know best and all that kind of, I've used the word patronizing. I don't think patronizing is actually strong enough. So, you know, I've, as you can probably deduce, listeners, I've got very strong views around this because. One of my mentors, a guy called Richard Gerber, he helped. He was a you know a former head teacher, worked with primary school children in the UK, in uh, near my hometown of Nottingham. And Richard went on world stages talking about change. And he said, when you look at all the world eminent leaders, you know Nobel Peace Prize winners, people like this, the one common trait they have is that childlike curiosity. And you know what, listeners, long may that reign. So maybe it's time for us as an older generation to peel back our ears and say, listen to these younger people because they actually know one or two things. You know, times have changed since we were young. Maybe they know one or two things. There again, mate, any thoughts on this childlike curiosity?
2: I've actually heard about that. I, I've heard some people say that we are our most intelligent when we're about four five because because of that curiosity and because we're uninhibited by our expectations or i guess the societal expectations placed on us or those stereotypes that we learn to accept or or you know are just kind of subconsciously ingrained in us uh so i i agree with that but i think there is something to be said about Having lived on this earth for 50, 60 years, I think that there is something that my generation could learn from your generation. And we're not always open to for the same reason, because we say, oh, they're old, you know, times have changed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it, it goes both ways. And I think, I think there's definitely something to that whole two sides of a coin perspective for everything because I know plenty of people my age who just write off the older generation as, Oh, they're, they're outdated. They don't get technology. So what's the use of listening to them and things like that. And so I think that there needs to be a balance between communication, you know, between our generations and, and cultures and all those other different labels that we have that are different. I think that those need to be acknowledged. And, um incorporated into kind of a a conversation
1: interesting word listeners that may use their balance may do you think that it's a question rather than a suggestion do you think that is it a question of balance or is it a question of integration chicken or egg which one comes first
2: (laughs) um that is a very good question. I'm not sure. I think without balance, you can't have that integration without a balance of understanding and acceptance and honestly respect, you you're not going to get that integration. but also, I think with integration of different views and um, and just different backgrounds, you get that understanding. So there has to be a little bit of both, I think. But I think the balance comes first or or the openness at least has to come first. And then you can they can build on each other.
1: Openness Which is I
2: guess a cop out. I, I don't know who came first, the chicken or the egg. I've never
1: known. <laughs> Well, the reality is, mate, nobody, well, you know, (laughs) you pays your money. you takes your choice. There is no right. There is no wrong answer. I mean, I think like so much in this world today is all very, very subjective, isn't it? And uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, you coined it beautifully when you use the the metaphor of the coin. There's two sides to it. And, you know, what's right, what's wrong? But I think what is wrong, you know, yet again, listeners, at the risk of sort of being judgmental about this. And I'm going to make no apologies for that. Because it's time we called the world out now. It's time we held the world to account to protect this beautiful, beautiful global mother of ours called Mother Earth. Because she's been asking for our help for a long, long, long time. And it's our duty as, as children to do as we're told. So on that note, may I, I kind of just want to head over to you for the final few words to say, OK, so. The title of this this great discussion, in my humble opinion, mate, if I rule the world, a young person's perspective. So what would be the one thing around environmentalism? Maybe, you know, Give us the big how in, I don't know, a minute, in a couple of minutes, really sharp, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to rally all the young people in the world. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're going to rally all the older people. I don't know. <laughs> Tell us what you're going to... How do we do that, Meg? How do we do that?
2: Um, I think the best way to go about it would be to have people interact with animals on a more regular basis. And I'm not just talking about, like, dogs and cats and the animals we think are cute. Because they're is so much that the average person doesn't know about where their food comes from or, um, you know, what those animals are like. I mean, here in America, we eat cows. I think that's probably our main source of animal protein, but in other countries, cows are considered holy and they eat dogs who we deem in America as our lovable furry friends. And so I think, at least bringing to the forefront of people's minds and having them realize that those expectations or or really categorizations that we've placed on animals are really subjective. They're really just they they don't actually mean anything. They hold no value. Um, and so I think opening people up to the experience that let's say a dairy cow has of Being artificially impregnated and then you know losing the calf and going through that numbers of times and then being slaughtered for meat, and it's a terrible process that really could be more humane. And that's my thing. I don't think the whole world should go vegan, I mean, I would personally love that, but I that's it's not something I'm expecting or looking for. I think we all need to be more cognizant of how we get our food. And from there, I think we'd realize that cows actually have emotional intelligence to some degree. They, they've been shown crying when they're being taken to slaughter, Um, or just showing kind of how inhumanely these animals are treated and shedding a light on those issues, I think would really open, up the conversation for other environmental issues like our rainforests and um, things like that. But I think we have to start somewhere and I think making them uh, more relatable would be the best way to reach the, mo- the largest number of people of any generation.
1: Five crucial words there, may five crucial crucial word you've used we have to start somewhere well i'd like to thank you because i think you know from a personal point of view i've immensely enjoyed this dance this conversation this exchange of energy i'm certainly learning things all the time from our younger generation i'm having my eyes open i'm very very grateful for that we have to start somewhere mate how can people find out you know, get in contact with you what's your contact details that you'd like to share with our listeners
2: um, well, I am on LinkedIn. I just started a new job. Um, okay. Well, I'm not sure what my LinkedIn is, but my email is M E I L A F F E R nine six at com. So I'd be open to getting in contact with anyone there.
1: Super. What about Facebook? Are you on Facebook at all?
2: I am um My Facebook name is meilafferty in Victor and David Ansky. It's quite long, so if you got all that <laughs> power, do you?
1: Yeah, we'll make sure they're in the show notes, listeners. Don't worry about trying to, you know, get the details of that down. As ever, they'll be in the show notes and uh, they'll be in uh, in May's bio as well. So just want to sign off me by once again reinforcing and expressing my sincere gratitude for this refreshing these refreshing insights into a young person's perspective on if i ruled the world thank you for having me so there we have it listeners all that remains to be said now is remember mastering the game of life starts by embracing our
0: hearts thanks very much for listening to this mastering the game of life podcast episode if you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.